This podcast is haunted is brought to you by Studio Headphones. They were kind enough to send me a pair of their Regent Wireless on-ear headphones, and man, am I obsessed. Sleek Scandinavian design, crystal clear sound, wireless Bluetooth connection, and a battery that lasts for days. Seriously, guys, they are rad. Check out the Regent and other Studio Headphone models at studio.com. For a limited time, enter promo code HAUNTED for 15% off your entire purchase. And as always, shipping is free worldwide. Welcome, spooks and spirits, ghouls and ghosts. Take a seat around the campfire. But beware, this podcast is haunted. And recording. We're recording. recording. We're doing the thing. We're doing this. Talking about haunted stuff. Thing is great. Everything is kind of great. I'll be honest, as stressful as this time of year is, well, it's busy Mm -hmm. for you because of finals. Yeah. And it's busy for me because it's school tour season. And then I also Mm -hmm. have our one room schoolhouse program to run. And then also just like my normal day to day shit. So it's really busy. But it's also my favorite time of year. Because like spring. Yeah, well, it's it's finally spring. Uh huh. And (sighs) you're so busy and driven that if you like you literally are just like go 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 and then you look back and you're like oh i did the thing so it's oh, like look. it's really hard but it's we done. made it yeah yay yeah speaking of like fucking weather like can i tell you about wait hang on i want to note something you're okay. the one talking about weather this week okay i'm sorry <laughs> no no you know i, I like just weather i to say something because It was Sunday and Monday. It snowed. Yes. Here. It snowed. It snowed. It fucking snowed. It snowed like an inch. There was like an inch of snow on the ground by my house. Granted, I live kind of like up in a mountain. And so there wasn't snow down by the lake. But there was still snow in the air. And it snowed for two days. rude. And then... And and then the, on Tuesday it was seventy degrees. Yep, everything is bananas. Yep, yep. And you know what's going to make that worse? The continued uh, effects of climate change. So enjoy that. This is this this one's starting off just like real real bummer. That's it's not going to get happier. Uh, it's... No, don't say. I mean, it's true, but don't say that. <laughs> we have lots of fun here. At this podcast is haunted. I'm Jen. That's Kate, by the way. <laughs> right, 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 right. We have a fucking show. Here we are at Shits and Giggles Incorporated. We're talking about... The worst people. Just... The worst people. The absolute worst fucking people. Yeah. 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 Let's dig in. Let's... <laughs> well, this is the worst time. Why are we doing this now? <laughs> you know, that's a really I'm... good point. Why are we doing this? I just got off of, like, a super stressful semester... And it's fine. You know Every what, semester though? is stressful. When what? you, by the time this episode goes up, you're going to be in my house, I think. Probably. That's really exciting. Oh, my God. In fact, I probably yeah. won't even email you the file. You can just do that from here. Well, I have to do it from my computer, but so you'll still have to do it. But I can do it from inside your house. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast is coming from inside the house. Oh. <gasps> 
when a stranger calls. Just kidding. It's Jen. You can pick up the phone. Oh, my God. Speaking of which, I need to see A Quiet Place. I haven't seen it yet. And I'm... Girl. Yes, so you mad. do. Oh, my, oh my God. God. Can we talk about... You of... saw it? Yes, I saw it with Beth on Sunday. I'm so proud of you. I... It... Thank you. First off, I watched about half the movie because the rest of it I was behind my hands. <laughs> this is why I'm proud of you. I'm and surprised. I did really well, though. You know what's a really good motivation to get me to do something? Hmm. Give me a hot man to watch. A hot That's man true. being a good dad. God damn. Oh, my God. I'm at that stage yes. in my life when I see good fathering, I get a little slick in the shorts. I've been that way for a long time. That's fucked up, Jen. I know. You're a young lady. Damn. You should get slick in the shorts over Zac Efron. I mean, by... Ooh, no. Biologically. <laughs> I, I guess, yeah. You know, I've been good for a while. Yeah. We're... Goddamn that biological clock. It's a real motherfucker <sighs> that... Uh, Ah, that's the funniest I'm going to accidentally be. Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, No, seriously. Fuck biology. I hate everything. And every time I look at a baby, my uterus screams. Like, just my body is so angry that I have not conceived. And, like, Mm. every month, every month I look down there. We have a little heart to heart. And I'm like, listen, this isn't going to happen for you. We're not having a baby. Mm. The brain Mm -hmm. and the heart have decided. And the uterus was like, I wasn't consulted. Uh, sp- mm-hmm. you know what's even worse than periods is uh, <laughs> despotic oh dictators. God, I, can't, I can't believe you're doing this. <laughs> That's right. You know we're gonna we're, I'm gonna go from talking about pussies to talking about Pol Pot because I know he would hate that. Uh, fuck yes. that guy. I'd just like to start this off with a hearty fuck this guy. Fuck everybody mm-hmm. who is involved with enabling this guy. Fuck France. Fuck the American foreign policy at this time. Fuck, 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 fuck them all. Wow. The story that I'm about to tell you is not a cheery one. You're not going to enjoy this. This is not a good time. We decided this week to do stories about people who were more scary alive than they were dead, even though they they had like some sort of ghost in the afterlife. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to start this off by saying, to my knowledge, there is no ghost of Pol Pot. He's not the ghost I want to talk about. Okay. But let's talk about fucking Pol Pot for a second. Okay. So, yeah. For those of you who don't know, Pol Pot was a Cambodian revolutionary. He called himself brother number one, the prime minister of the democratic Kampuchea, which was uh, what he renamed Cambodia between 75 and 79. Hmm. And there's American money on almost every side of this. American Mm -hmm. weapons are being used on almost every side of this. I get real mad. <laughs> like, in case yeah. you guys can't tell, I'm real fucking frustrated. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so we're talking about this piece of shit called Pol Pot. Piece of fucking shit. He was actually... <laughs> this is just... I mean, the, the funniest part so far is just, like, how mad you are. Right. I, the, he's been dead since 1998, like, before I had even ever heard of him. I actually remember hearing about him dying. Um, mm. cause like 1998 was like the year I became a person and started like yeah. paying attention to shit. And so yeah. I remember the story, but I had no context for what Cambodia was. I was, I knew the word genocide, but I didn't really have context for it. Mm, that's kind of like how I, in, on 9-11, I wasn't completely sure where the world trade centers were. You lived in New so, York. I lived in New in York, York, State, New York. still... <laughs> 
I'd never been to the city. What grade were you in when September 11th happened? Sixth grade. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm only two years older than you. <laughs> well, yeah. what can you do? <laughs> I, I was uh-huh. in sixth grade when Pol Pot died. We all have problems. There you go. All right. So this grade was the great awakening of your consciousness, your global consciousness. I think that's kind of true for a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of shit happens between 11 and 12. Yeah. All right. So anyway, (laughs) we're going to keep talking about this piece of shit, Pol Pot. I can't come up with a funny, shitty name for him. So we're just going to call him that piece of shit, Pol Pot. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, He was actually born under the name Saloth. Sar and uh also caveat guys i don't speak cambodian so i'm gonna butcher a lot of this i will do my best to not be an asshole to anybody who doesn't deserve it um i'm sorry mm. that i'm not getting the k ke- uh the kemmer language quite correct i'm not even quite positive that's how you say kemmer uh k-h-m-e-r <sighs> is <laughs> is cambodia so uh, he was born Saloth Sar. Uh, he was given that name. Sar means very pale, and he is a particularly pale ethnic Cambodian uh, because he does have some ethnic Chinese in his background. And we're going to talk about mm. that. Uh, you know how Hitler was trying to create the master race and he only wanted mm-hmm. tall, blonde hair, blue eyed people? And he yes. was a somewhat short, dark hair, dark eyed person? From Austria. Exactly. Ugh. Exactly. So we have some similarities here. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Uh, So he was a communist. I do not have a problem with communists. I don't have a problem with communism as an idea. My problem starts with people who use their, you know, what is economic ideals as a reason Mm -hmm. to kill people. Which, to be fair, has happened in most communist countries. (laughs) Oh, uh, should we talk for a second about how many people capitalism kills every year? Because we can do that. Okay. (laughs) Everyone's terrible. <laughs> exactly. Everything's a fucking shit show. We do not have a high holy ground to stand on. Okay. Okay. Um, so uh, he was a Cambodian revolutionary. He studied the works and writings specifically of Lenin and Chairman Mao. He considered mm-hmm. Karl Marx too difficult to read. Oh, well, that's yeah. unfortunate. <laughs> yes. Uh, now, at this time, Cambodia is a French colony. It's under French rule, but it also has a king in place. So there's already some tensions there. That piece of shit, Pol Pot, was actually the son of a very prosperous farmer. And he so he was mm-hmm. educated at top schools within Cambodia. He was also given the opportunity to travel abroad and get even more schooling. Uh, he received further education in Paris. He was able to travel to Yugoslavia, Djibouti, Colombo, Singapore, Vietnam. Uh, and all of that kind of marked him as elite in Cambodia. Mm. So he's got a lot of opportunities. He's got that pale skin. He has, um, uh, he, he acts as if he's ethnically Khmer instead of Chinese, even though he's, you know, he has a lot of Chinese in his background. Mm -hmm. So he was influenced, as I said, by Stalin and Chairman Mao. He read and spoke frequently about their writings, uh, Mao's On New Democracy. And then also the Russian historian Kropotkin, who wrote the French Revolution of 1789, which Hmm. gave the idea uh, for a successful revolution, you have to combine the intellectuals with the peasantry to go after the capitalists. So that was sort of his driving influence as he went to overthrow 
the government that was standing in Cambodia. And now things in Cambodia, it's not like he w- like he went into this peaceful place and stirred up a bunch of shit. Things were already kind yeah. of shitty. He took advantage of that shittiness and he was very opportunistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that that happens in a lot of these places, too, where there's a kind of like uprising and a revolution that creates this new government. Like, yes, in most cases, like they're not coming out of nowhere. Right, right. Absolutely. They were looking at the success of China's use of communism, the Mm -hmm. communist revolution in China, as well as how, quote unquote, well things were doing under Stalin. (laughs) Sorry. Did I just laugh out loud? I'm sorry, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Stalin. (laughs) I'll try and be respectful. Uh, Just kidding. I won't be. Stalin? (laughs) No. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. I I have no interest in being respectful of Stalin. (laughs) Fuck that guy. (laughs) Fuck that guy. Fuck so many of these people. Mao has Uh, some redeeming qualities, but not a lot. (laughs) So, mm -hmm. all right. um, Political system in Cambodia, like I said, was already struggling. It was already destabilized by French colonial oppression, uh, the oppression from the king, who was constantly trying to buck the French, but also placate the French. Um, the uh, people were agitated, and there was also the problem of the Americans using Cambodia and stirring shit up in Vietnam from the mm-hmm. safety of Cambodia. Uh, the end result, there and my friends... I'm simplifying this a great deal, possibly to the point of being a little insulting. I am yeah, not. I mean. Right. I'm not a Cambodian <laughs> scholar. So I encourage you absolutely to go and look into this. I can provide some great resources later. Uh, but as of right now, I just want to focus on how angry I am. Yeah. I mean, on basically everything that we talk about, it, it, we're distilling it down to a half hour. Right. Right. It's like laughably like I, simple you know i i did rasputin last time and you know last podcast on the left did a four-part series on him so like yeah a lot of things went on set in our part so but that's you know that's just how you do it we're that's just giving you a little sampler if right. you like what you hear you can look into it a right. little more just just a little taste guys that's why this podcast is free it's like that first hit of cocaine <laughs> hey guys want to try some drugs <laughs> It's free. <laughs> Your first hit of history is free. Then you're going to have to pay thousands of dollars for it at a four-year university. And then t- thousands more dollars in a two-year grad school. <sighs> but slightly less thousand dollars because state school. Hey, proud of you. State schools are the yeah. way to go. Uh, yeah. Jen and I were just comparing what we paid for college. I paid a fourth of what she paid at a I've... very good state school. A fourth of like... What my parents mostly paid, let's be honest. I, I mean, was, I have some, I have some loans, but I was gonna let you get away without having to make you check your privilege. I'm very privileged. Thank you, mom and dad. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Jen's mom. You're real cool. Thanks for getting her educated. Thanks for all the money. <laughs> all right. So, anyways, uh, this political power vacuum goes on. The end result is that Pol Pot is now in charge with his newly formed group. The Khmer Rouge. Mm-hmm. Do you want to know what Khmer Rouge means? Yes. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> so Khmer, K-H-M-E-R, that, yes. uh, those are the people who are ethnically Cambodian. It's an ethnicity <laughs> group, the, the majority ethnic group of Cambodia. Rouge, uh-huh. French. Means red. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> Did you learn <laughs> it from French. Moulin Rouge? Oh, you took French. Hey. You in and Pol Pot have that in common. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, you and you and Pol Pot have the, have both those things in common. You had to learn French, Aww. and you went to bougie private schools. Yeah. All right. So yes, red for communist, commer for the ethnicity of Cambodia. So you know, I never put that together before, but like, wow, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of right there. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um. So he returned to Cambodia to this political structure. He developed. And built the communist the communist party through the 1960s. Plotted a rebellion that led to civil war in 1968. Kamaruj started taking control of the countryside. Now their goal is to create an agrarian utopia. They want to create uh, work farms where everything is owned collectively. All work is collective. All profit is collective. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds real nice, doesn't it? Yeah. Sounds yeah. yeah what nice. could possibly go wrong? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> so anyway, uh, from these from these outlier countryside positions, they slowly built power until 1975, where they took over the capital city of Phnom Penh, mm-hmm. where he restyled himself. He was no longer uh, Sar, was his last name, Salom Sar. Uh, Sal- mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm butchering that. <laughs> well, um, he knew that this would happen, and so he decided very helpfully to rebrand. <laughs> yes, yeah, thanks for that, Pol Pot, you piece of fucking shit. <laughs> anyway, he restyled. But easier oh. to say. <laughs> it is, yeah, that is true. It, hard to make fun of, though. I can't come up with anything like Schittler. Yeah, well. Eh. Anyway, so he restyles himself as brother number one. Let's just stop for a hot second and talk about mm-hmm. how stupid the idea of brother number one is to an egalitarian communist party. Brother, if you stop there comrade all mm. makes sense the minute you yeah. go so far as to say brother number one oh that's you know, a rank a system two. exactly yep. <laughs> if he's number one who's number two who's number 40 who's number two million and so uh automatically mm-hmm. red flag fucking red flag also it just sounds like a kind of a logistical nightmare to like how do you decide who gets what number in like Oh, now I'm just thinking about logistics. Well, they could start numbering everybody's arms. Okay, well, all right. <laughs> that's that's a thing. A strong parallel has been drawn. Yeah. Well, I was thinking of like okay, well, so every, you know, every baby that's born is just gets named sequentially, and that would work. But what about all the existing people? And then how do and then like so many questions. Okay, they could take anyway, the they is... could take the existing people and cut them roughly in quarters, just reduce them by you know twenty five percent of their overall population. Oh well, you know that would make things e- easier. I'm so glad you agree, because so did Pol Pot. Okay. <laughs> so Me and him have a lot of comments, apparently. <laughs> no, you really don't. I'll... This is just a great new game. Let's list all the ways that Jen is like Pol Pot. Like, no matter what it is, like, however far apart. Oh, they both like noodles. Oh, pale, Jen's like pale Pol Pot. Skin. Pale Went skin. Went to private school. <laughs> Likes noodles. What else can we say? Uh, short name, actually. Yeah. Um, two two three-letter words. Yep. Oh, fuck Jen me. Voss, Pol Pot. It's iconic. I... Uh, this is really lightening oh, no. this subject up. <laughs> this is a bad, bad game. All right, well, let's talk for a second about how Pol Pot got his name. Okay. There, the word pot seems to be pretty ambiguous. Like, maybe he just liked the sound of it. 
but pole P O L. Or he liked the stuff. Hey, uh, but um, that would be something me and Pol Pot have in common. <laughs> <laughs> no, that wasn't it. So the word okay. pole P O L actually has two different possible meanings, and uh, etymologists who studied him, they were they were historians as well, but they they leaned on some etymology to figure out why he picked this name. So mm-hmm. pole is an Aboriginal people from the area, and they were known as royal slaves, which... Uh, okay. Well, it's it's kind of a nice idea if you're a communist that the royal should toil as slaves and the slaves shall be elevated to the royal, and that's, oh, that's kind of a classless okay. idea. Okay. Yeah. Um, pole in Khmer also means army. So by combining those two, uh, he's really summing up what he wants from his Democratic Party. That's good branding. Yeah, yeah. He changed the name from Cambodia to or Khmer. You, they were used uh, depending on who you were. He changed mm-hmm. it to the Democratic Kampuchea, and as oh. soon as they, uh, go ahead. What were you about to say? No, I'm just like, where did this name come from? I'm not sure. I don't have the etymology of that one in front of me. Well, shit. Why not? <laughs> I'm sorry, I failed you. <laughs> yeah. They became Democratic Kampuchea as soon as they took the capital city of Phnom Penh. So once they took that area, they had to start evacuating the city. Mm-hmm. It's not like they dropped a bomb. It's not like there were... Why would they evacuate the city, Jen? What do you think? I don't know. Cities have factories. And uh-huh. people who own those factories must be capitalist. And so oh. they evacuated the cities to strip the capitalists of their ability to make money. And they were using that money, allegedly, to hurt communist aims. So by by emptying the city, they literally turned the capital city into a ghost town. By em- ghost on brand. There we go. Tie <laughs> we in. got there. Don't worry. There we are more ghosts did at it, the guys. end <laughs> So then they, they, so they strip everybody out, out of the cities. They take them to these work camps. Some agrarian. Everybody's going to farm together. We're going to own things together. Nobody owns anything. We all own. And children were even collectively raised. All meals were created Mm. and eaten collectively. Unfortunately, the other side of that kind of nice sounding coin is... Yeah, I mean, it sounds nice in theory. (laughs) Until we start looking at the real nitty gritty detail, we started to classify people into three groups. They were the full rights, Mm. which were the base of the Communist Party. Anybody who was a communist was not going to get fucked with. If they were supporting the party outright and they'd always supported the party... Cool. Welcome to the club. Mm-hmm. There were also candidates, people who were kind of fringe supporters. They would be good to join the party later. We just have to check on a few things in your background. Mm-hmm. And then finally, there were the depositees. Okay, that doesn't sound like a good name. It's not a great word. You know, like you deposit manure. <laughs> and yeah. These depositees uh, were absolutely bound for destruction. They were brought out of the cities. They were deposited onto the work farms. Mm-hmm. The The groups that made up these depositees were capitalists, so people who were against the party. Mm-hmm. The religious, mm-hmm. as we know, Karl Marx established that religion is the opiate of the masses, so they didn't allow any sort of uh, religion in this new utopian society. Mm-hmm. They killed Christians, they killed Muslims, and... They killed 25,000 Buddhist monks. Mm. Okay, so now we're really getting into it, aren't we? Oh, oh, the killing has just started. Okay. They, they killed those people outright. They starved everybody else to death. Remember, we're doing agrarian work. It is not 
a ridiculous statement to say that a person who is doing manual labor in a field can burn somewhere around 8,000 calories a day. Yeah, I mean, people who walk the Appalachian Trail have to eat like 6,000 calories a day, and they're just walking. They're just walking, exactly. So these people who were the depositees, they were put on a diet of two bowls of thin rice soup a day. Oh, no. That's like me on a stressful day. Yes, roughly five to 700 calories is what that would provide. (laughs) Oh, shit. Yeah. So they started starving them to death. They targeted minority groups. If you were ethnically Chinese, if you were ethnically Laos, or if you were ethnically Vietnamese, Mm -hmm. you would be targeted and sent to these torture centers. But not Pol Pot. But not Pol Pot, who who was ethnically Chinese, that piece of fucking shit. Mm -hmm. They went after educated people, especially people who were educated in the West, where was Pol Pot educated? In France? Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> they went after people who had outside contacts with the world. If you had somebody you could write to on the other side and say, this is what's going on here, they would take you. And mm. they went after the disabled. If you weren't able to help in this new world order, if you weren't able to pull a plow or harness a horse, you were going mm-hmm. to be tortured and killed. And possibly <sighs> most upsetting, they went after babies and young children. Jesus. Specifically the babies and young children of anybody who I've already mentioned. They didn't spare kids. Uh-huh. They ha- they came up with some proverbs for this. The reason for killing babies was to stop the weeds, you have to pull out the roots. So these <sighs> young children won't grow up to okay. become capitalists. Mm-hmm. They also made it very clear that their utopia only needed one to two million people. At this time, Cambodia had eight million citizens. Oh, boy. So they they regularly told people, to keep you is no benefit, so to destroy you is no loss. Oh, my God. So they took people to these killing fields, as made notorious in the 1984 film, The Killing Fields. So they were taken to education, I'm sorry, education, no. They were taken to execution centers. That's a different, that's a different kind of vibe. (laughs) Education versus execution. I don't know. On around finals time, sometimes it felt the same. I mean, I've sort of started to embrace my mortality, but you know, <laughs> right. no, definitely a different vibe. They were not making anything at all hidden about the fact that they are looking to kill people. Mm-hmm. So they would take them to these execution centers. They would torture them into giving up the names of their friends and family who were also capitalist or were practicing religion secretly. And as soon as they gave up those names and committed to their quote-unquote crimes, they -hmm. would be summarily executed. Ask me how they executed them, Jen. How did they execute them, Kate? They would chain them together. They would send them out into what was called the killing field, the actual physical place. They would dig a mass grave. Okay. And then they would push them all chained up together, shackled to one another inside, oh, no. and bury them alive. Oh, dear. To save on bullets. <sighs> How much iron did that take, though? Yeah, well, good point. <laughs> it was just what I, I... This is how I am the worst <laughs> as I listen to this, because I'm like, why didn't the Nazis do that? Oh, I bet they needed the scrap metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That might have been something part of it. Uh, I try not okay. to overthink it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so they they buried them alive. They also, to keep the rest, the other six million of the population, They again, they killed one quarter of their own people. One in four people did not survive this five-year regime. 
Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you can't even, like, comprehend that many people. Oh, my God. If you're Midwestern, 2 million people is a little bit larger than the city of Chicago, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2 million people is most of West Michigan. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. It's a lot of people. Oh, okay. This is... We warned you guys. We did. We warned you. We told you this was going to be a fucking bummer. And and I hope you guys are all angry because Cambodia is still feeling the effects of this genocide. And it was a genocide. Mm-hmm. We talk about the genocide of the Holocaust regularly. Mm-hmm. We talk about the, holo- the genocide of Native Americans regularly. Cambodia is forgotten. Look mm-hmm. at the ways that I, like me... I can't even pronounce what their language is or what their ethnicity is because that's how forgotten they are. It's like the only person who ever gave a shit about Cambodia in my lifetime has been Angelina Jolie. And she's shady as shit. Okay. (sighs) I'm going to keep going. Even though I'm real mad. Yeah, we've got to just power through. You can do this. Okay. So in order to maintain their control over the other six million people under their regime. They also destroyed food sources. Mm -hmm. Mind you, that didn't stop them from exporting huge amounts of food in order to make money for the party. They were literally starving their people to death in order to continue to make money for their party, which is pretty funny fucking business for a bunch of fucking communists. Mm -hmm. Feels real capitalist there. Mm -hmm. They also, they destroyed food sources that could not be centrally controlled. Fruit orchards, wild rice that grows on mountains, fishing. They destroyed their own rivers and and tried to keep people away from the fish. They destroyed medical centers. They destroyed hospitals. They were not given out medicine to anybody who would need it because that was an additional tax on resources and you weren't worth it as a person. So anybody who was diabetic, fuck you, you're out. If you had cancer, good luck, you're going to die. Mm-hmm. Well, when they're like, when their goal is to get rid of right. most of their own people, like it doesn't make logical sense to take care of the sick because right. that's just, you know, just a waste of money to, in their mind. Absolutely. You are absolutely oh, correct. Boy. The torture was incredibly widespread. It was inventive. It was horrific. Today, there are over 20,000 mass graves created during the Khmer Rouge regime. Mm-hmm. They contain 2 million people oh my God. who are just gone. It is impossible to get to a lot of these mass graves because they're surrounded by landmines. Mm-hmm. Even today, what, 40 years later, those landmines are still active and dangerous and hurting people and animals every single year. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but... Pol Pot was only in charge for five or so years, right? And then he probably ended up like Schittler with a gunshot wound to his head covered in petrol burning in a ditch, right? <laughs> One would hope. One would hope, but guess what? It doesn't. What? We, he doesn't get the fairy tale ending that Schittler gets. Or does he get the fairy tale ending? I suppose. <laughs> Touche. Uh, yeah, you he should want. The, the Vietnamese invade Cambodia. They overthrow Khmer Rouge. And uh, they install their version of a communist regime. Mm-hmm. He, his own people weren't able to throw him off. The business, the, the people who were being tortured and murdered were not able to, able to overthrow him. And all of the powerful governments around the world, the French 
were silent. The British were silent. Mm -hmm. The Americans actively made things worse, although so did the... So all of those groups, all of the international groups failed the Cambodian people. And you know what fucking happened to goddamn piece of shit Pol Pot? He died in his bed after being on house arrest. He didn't die until 1998 on house arrest. Now... Here is a little bit of good news. Just a little bit. Just mm-hmm. a little bit to, to wet your whistle. Oh. He was about to be extradited. He was going to face the penalties for his crimes. Uh-huh. And so he very likely committed suicide. He, it was announced on the mm. news that he was going to be extradited and taken. And the next day, magically, he was dead. I don't know what happened. Weird. <laughs> he took and all of his convenient. pills because he's a fucking coward. He's a coward. And he couldn't face what he did. In the 40 years since Pol Pot and uh, and Khmer Rouge have been dismantled and taken apart, some healing has gone on. They have started to honor the dead, those who they could safely get to. For -hmm. example, one killing field, uh, which was 15 kilometers southwest of Phnom Penh, which is the capital city, uh, they were able to remove some of the bodies and honor them. They created a glass stupa, which holds 8,000 skulls that they found belonging to 8,000 people who were killed in that field. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Cambodians believe very strongly in spirits. They believe that they Mm -hmm. live in houses, that they reside by bridges. They give a lot of attention to these souls who are not at rest. One of the places where they are regularly honored and given comfort is the Tool Sleng Genocide Museum. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? Look at how many genocides we have committed in America against minority groups. And there's no museum, like there's no museum of slavery, you know, there's no museum of the Trail of Tears. I want to go to that lynching memorial site. Like that's me too. I sometimes you just need to cry it out. Yeah. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, I totally want to go. I mean, I, it sounds like a very important place. It does, yeah. To see, it's, so. it's, yeah, you gotta, you gotta honor what our history really is. Um, yeah. So, Tool Slang means the Hill of Poisonous Trees. It was mm-hmm. one of over 150 execution centers. It was a former high school, mm. and it was notorious security prison S21, which features in a lot of these true horror stories Mm -hmm. over 20,000 people were tortured there of those 20,000 12 survived to talk about it workers say that they can feel ghosts with them all the time uh they have a lot of poltergeist activity Mm -hmm. um and and all those salty ass people can you fucking blame them yeah like (laughs) no no matter how poignant a museum is it's probably not going to be good enough yeah So the security guards at this museum regularly hear screaming and pounding on the walls coming from inside the building at night. They see dark figures walking across security cameras and roaming the halls. Wow. Museum workers during the day have to bring two lunches um, because they have to leave food out for all the starving spirits. Mm. If they leave food out, then the day is relatively peaceful. They can get through with fewer loud bangs and crying and doors slamming, things like that. Uh, If they don't leave that food out, if they've only brought one lunch, uh, these spirits of starving people 
get very, very agitated and the noise is so much worse. So it's it's one oh of the God. most haunted places in the world. I Yeah, that tracks. Yeah. That makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. There are a lot of charities you can give to to help. Like I said, Cambodia is still feeling the effects of this genocide. And one of, one of my big concerns, Cambodia has a, a thriving tourist industry. In many ways, they are getting back on their feet. But mm -hmm. those landmines are still there. There are companies that you can give money to, charities that will go in and help locate and disarm landmines. Mm -hmm. And we'll post some of those in our Facebook group. One of them has some really great innovations. You can throw wildflower seeds if you, in areas where you suspect landmines are. And mm -hmm. those wildflower seeds will take root. If there's iron present in the soil, like a landmine, mm. it will grow red flowers. Oh my god, that's so smart. If there's no iron, the flowers are white, and it's safe to walk. Oh yeah. my god. That's it's so really, cool. really smart. And also, like, very symbolic and... And, and poignant and touching <sighs> yeah. and appropriate. There are other ways as well. There are dogs who are being expensively trained to find landmines. Mm -hmm. This is a problem that we don't have in America. We don't have context for why our kids can't go running across a field flying a kite. Yeah. And so if you have the ability, we'll post some, some links to reputable charities, and it's something that we can try and give to. Mm -hmm. So that was a fucking bummer. That's all you have for me. Jesus. Yeah. Be mad. You should be mad about it. Like, everybody should feel anger about our inactivity about fucking Pol Pot. Eddie Izzard made a... made. Are you, are you familiar with Eddie Izzard, babe? Of course. Okay. Some, some people aren't, which their lives Ugh. must feel so empty. I know. So Do you have a flag? <laughs> no yes. flag, no country. <laughs> Those are the rules that I just made up. Yes. Yeah, so in that, in that same one, uh, he talks about how... We don't care so long as you're killing your own people. So yeah. Hitler wasn't a problem when he was destroying ethnically German Jewish people. Mm -hmm. Hitler was a problem the minute he moved into Poland. We can't put up with that. But Pol Pot <laughs> and Stalin are welcome to kill millions of Cambodians and Russians, respectively. And we don't so much care. That's sort of a their problem thing. And we still mm -hmm. kind of have that attitude today. You know, we only get yeah. involved when it benefits our corporations. Yeah. And... I mean, it also has to do with, like, the other country being like, hey. <laughs> hey, we could use some help That's here. That's not nice. <laughs> true. Very true. Uh, so I'm sorry I'm I'm angry and political. I promise to be charming and we'll make dick jokes next week. I just don't have it in me right now. I'm too angry and I hope you guys are angry too. Do you need to take a brief? <laughs> yes. Can I tell you one fun brief? story? Yes, please do. This is from the local news of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Oh, my God. Do, do you know already? Uh -huh. Did you see it? I think I might, but like, okay. please tell me. So the city of Grand Rapids, for those of you who don't know, is actually the second largest metropolitan in the state of Michigan. It's 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 fairly it's a fairly large That's right, motherfuckers. Right. Yeah, it's you know, it's a fairly large uh, metropolitan area. There are lots of suburbs, not a whole lot of dark, deep forests. We had an interesting visitor come to town today. Yes, I know there, exactly what this is. There was a black bear roaming oh about God. three miles from my house. Holy shit. Yeah, they caught him. He got up a tree. First off, black bears are the only bears we have in Michigan, and they're mostly scaredy cats. Black bears are not aggressive. They're not like grizzlies or Kodiaks. Mm -hmm. They don't want to be in your space. They don't want anything to do with people. They they mm -hmm. like our trash, 
and that's about it. So black bears, mother black bears have bears every two, two and a half years. They usually have two cubs or three cubs at a time. And Mm -hmm. after two years, the bears are old enough to fend for themselves. But they're very territorial, especially the males. Mm -hmm. And so they have to go farther and farther afield to get away from the territory of other stronger male black bears. And so this one got pushed farther and farther south into Grand Rapids. And he got confused and he climbed up a tree in the middle of down, well, not in the middle of downtown Grand Rapids, but on on the west side. Where? Uh, do, you, do you know? The cross like, streets? Yeah. Dayton Street, southwest, and okay. Straight Avenue. Although they said oh. earlier it was on the northwest side, so uh, there seems to be a little bit of a difference there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was a bear came to town today and he got caught up a tree. He was fairly close to John Ball Zoo, so they were on hand along with uh, Grand Rapids Police and Kent County DNR. They tranked him and they pulled him out of the tree. Oh, they had to pull him out because someone tweeted recently. I don't know who. It was, they're like, my favorite genre of picture is tranked bears falling out of trees. That's that's exactly what happened. genuinely the most delightful thing and it's like it was like a series of pictures of like just completely limp bears like in mid-air with like a bunch of people with like a trampoline under them and it's just so amazing they decided not to use any trampoline or catching materials because the ground was really soft from all that we had a thunderstorm these last two days so the ground was really soft the bear was able to leave quickly and with much gusto from the DNR truck that he was unloaded yeah. from today. Oh, so, poor baby. I know. He was only 125 pounds. Aww. Sweet thing. But he's he's safe yeah. in the countryside now. So, Jen, what stories do you yes. have? Yeah, you, you told me about this theme, and I was like, Actually, no, I was immediately, I immediately knew who I wanted to do because I remember this came up a little while ago and you had no idea who she was. Yeah. And, and so I was like, I, well, I have, we have to do a, an episode about her sometime. So, uh, fun we're, fact, we're talking... I still hmm? tried not to find out who she was. So I'm going to be, <gasps> I am delighted. I am delighted. Okay. <laughs> so this is, this is a tale of Elizabeth Bathory. Who? Elizabeth Bathory, or if you want to pronounce uh, her name the Hungarian way, which she is, it's Ershabet Bathory. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'm going to try my best with some Hungarian pronunciations. And I I did study a little bit of Hungarian. It's still a real weird language, so forgive me. Yeah. All languages are weird as fuck. I never thought about that. They're so arbitrary. I mean, they are arbitrary, but, like, some of them have, like, logic to them or, like, at least logic to, like, their relations and how they spread. And, like, there's this whole fascinating history of, like, the development of English. And that's really the history of, you know, that area. And it's so cool. What doesn't make any fucking sense is Hungarian. (laughs) Its closest linguistic neighbor is Finland. Oh, they're not very close at all. Exactly. Nobody knows. Obviously, like it happened some time ago, like when there's tribes you know, roaming around and it is not close. It's not a romance language. It is not a, like a Slovak or like, you know, it's it's not anywhere near Russian. It's it's this own weird 
fucking thing and it's not mutually intelligible by any of its geographical neighbors wow (laughs) it's so fucking weird that's really kind of interesting and also makes me want to talk about the scene from my fair lady where they're talking about uh hungry they Mm -hmm. they can and how he thinks that she's hungarian yes he thinks she's hungarian because she doesn't quite speak english perfectly yeah i mean that was probably like a completely random poll but like right well actually also for the time like that would have been is that supposed to be pre or post world war one pre i believe okay i think it's supposed to be 1800s victoria's on the throne no no it's not no hang on uh i'll go to saint james so often i will call it saint jim's and she says to the king and here's the king (laughs) all Um, i want is henry higgins ed so let's say this is not helping us right it's it's the king after victoria it might be edwardian yeah anyway i'm gonna go with edwardian because i think like so this is the very twilight of the um, Austro-Hungarian Empire. So I would say yes. It's safe to say My Fair Lady is supposed to take place during the Edwardian era. Okay, then yeah, that I... would be. <laughs> but that none of that has anything to do with Elizabeth Bathory. None of that has anything to do with Elizabeth Bathory. So okay, so she was born in August of 1560, and this was very much during the Habsburg Empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was actually born to a very important family. She was a noblewoman. Through her mother's side, she was related to the King of Poland and oh. the Prince of Transylvania, among other very important people. I um, have Transylvania. Yeah. Does she get some ideas there? Well, uh, we will talk about that. Um, Transylvania is uh, a very interesting region of the world because, yes, it used to be a part of Hungary, and then post World War One, it was split off and given to Romania, and the Hungarians have never forgiven them for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so amazing! Like you can still go around to little tourist shops, and you can buy merchandise with the nineteen. 19- you know 14 version of hungry and they're like oh man what the was g- <laughs> golden years golden yeah years. they are a little salty still there's nothing quite like a hundred year old grudge uh, yeah yeah i mean they did kind of get the shaft because they were kind of like pulled along for the ride of world war one because they were attached to Austria and they weren't really the instigators of it. They're just like, yeah, okay, I guess we're doing this. And then their land mass was like cut into thirds and given away. Oops. Whoops. Anyway, I keep going <laughs> to the 20th century and we're not in that century. <laughs> I right. just love Hungary. It's just so weird. Well, and you anyway. you studied abroad there, right? In Hungary? I did. So this is why I know a little bit about Hungarian history. I spent a semester in Budapest. It is one of the coolest cities ever. Hungary right now is having a very bad political situation. Not unlike our own, but they're kind of like us if we let things go as they're going for another five to ten years. Oh, you mean Nazis are, right are walking in their fucking streets? Yeah. Cute cute yeah it's it's really not good it's so like budapest is a beautiful city but like holy shit their politics are scary so are ours anyway yeah yep (laughs) speaking of scary people speaking of scary hungarians 
So she's so Elizabeth Bathory is this part of this really wealthy and important family with very important relatives. She is also she is mostly known for being history's most prolific female murderer. Ooh, I yes. like her already. I know. See, that was my problem. Like, I was doing this research, and I'm like, we're talking about terrible people. And I kind of can't help rooting for her a little bit. She did some messed up shit, but also you're just like, damn, girl. Yeah. So, yeah, like, there's, there's, a little bit of, um, there's a little bit of gender identification going on. Like, yeah, if you're going to kill yeah. somebody, kill everybody. <laughs> but she no, was, that's wrong. She's <laughs> prolific. And... If I'm going to be real mad about Pol Pot, I guess I also should probably be real mad about Elizabeth Bathory. You should. I mean, she killed less people than Pol Pot, although maybe she killed more people directly. Oh, like she wielded the knives herself? Yeah, we'll get into that. Anyway. <sighs> Can't wait. So she had very important relatives. She also had relatives who, and I found this in two different websites, which like one of them was the History Channel. Uh-huh. I have thoughts about the History Channel in general. They tend to, like... Be shitty? I mean, they have shows about aliens. So, like, take whatever you get from them with a grain of salt. Also, their website is crap. I just... I feel like somebody needs to address... Their website is shit. Their website is really fucking shitty. Like, obnoxiously so. Yeah. Anyway, so according to them, she also had an uncle who taught her about Satanism and an aunt who taught her about sadomasochism. And my question is, were they married? Fun. (laughs) And is this the most rad couple to be related to? I can't wait to teach all my nieces and nephews about sadomasochism and Satanism. (laughs) Yeah, these websites, these like blogs kind of like cite that as like the inciting incident of her being like, oh, hurting people. It doesn't really go into like if she actually does believe in Satanism. She was raised a Calvinist, which is fun, Uh, (laughs) which is also interesting because that was a very Catholic part of the world. So I was going to say, how did she pick up Calvinism? I mean, the Protestant Reformation was going on. During that mm-hmm. time, this is um like the Elizabethan era, so like we're we're full on into the Protestant Reformation. So like, okay, all right, yeah, it was definitely a thing. So yeah, she was raised Calvinist. She was educated. She was rich. She learned Latin, German, and Greek. She sounds like a really badass like kid. At the age of thirteen, she allegedly gave birth to a child fathered by a peasant boy. Oh yeah, so. Well, <laughs> um, that's very young, but I don't. Okay, you know that's very young. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be like, you know, 13. You're an, no, you're not an adult. That's, uh, that's by very... the 1500s though. 13 is not exact. 13 is probably 17 for the 13 yeah, for the 1500s. It's still young for that. Like, like I'm. I'm trying to think back to like Catherine of Aragon and. Well, okay, she married Henry VIII's brother, Arthur, first, but they were, like, 17 or so, and they don't know for sure if their marriage was consummated. So, like, it's very possible that, I mean, and it's true that people got married younger, but, like, 13 is still a little young for nobles. Well, especially, a lot of people wouldn't have had their periods by then. Clearly, she did if she had the kid. she did. Yeah, for real. This is very uh, Game of Thronesy, though. Um, anyway, <laughs> a little bit. She apparently, supposedly, had this child. It was, you know, allegedly given away to a local woman to care for. 
and the child was eventually taken to Vachalia, Valachia, which is one. If I, I'm sorry, I'm doing my best. It's okay. I, it's okay. Val, Valachia. We picked hard stuff this week. Valachia. I've said this a lot in my head. Um, anyway, if Valachia, you are from, is that what you're saying? No, it's Just spelled W A L L A C H I A. Oh, I've seen that word W's before. Be, yes, and I bet you've seen it in the context of Vlad the Impaler. I yes. Tell me that's more. Where he was Tell from. me more. Now I did do a quick check to be like, oh my god, is her secret baby Vlad the Impaler? No, he lived like a century before she did. So that happened at age 13. At age 10, she was actually engaged or betrothed to another Hungarian nobleman, Ferenc Narasdi. Narasdi. Cool. Narasdi. He was he was a nobleman who was he was 4 years older than her. So like not the worst. I was like, "Okay, guys, like this is this makes sense." Like he would have been 14 at the time, she was 10, but they're engaged. Yeah. They they got married when she was 15 and he was 19, which is okay. Good for you. Uh, she actually kept her last name because she was a higher rank in, in nobility than he was, which oh. is awesome. Um, and also very Cersei Lannister. True. Very true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they moved into his castle which had it was located in what is now Slovakia near the Carpathian Mountains and the castle that was his family's you know castle it was purchased by his mother uh-huh. who gave it to him and he transferred ownership of it to Elizabeth which is so cool yeah she owned land <laughs> she had a lot going for her yeah she actually owned like a lot of land. Too bad she was a fucking psycho, right? She was kind of a fucking psycho. So apparently, our friend Ferenc uh, Nadashti uh, was also kind of insane. Oh my! The sources I was looking at were kind of—they were like unsure of how to think about him because he was also very—he was very cruel to his like servants and to like anyone who was beneath him. And so like he certainly helped develop her violent streak. I think he because he was like this was her introduction into running a household. And he was being cruel to his servants. So she thought. So she kind of learned. Oh. Oh, okay that's just how you treat people she i think she learned a lot of it from him but also he kind of kept her in check a little bit which we'll see how we know that later he wasn't like around a ton he he married and then he kind of went back to vienna where he was studying to like continue his his studies and he so he left elizabeth alone to run the household and at that time you know we're this is like tail end of feudalism so like you own a castle you own all of the area around the castle and all and, of the people who work it and all the people yeah so she not only ran like the household but she ran that whole area essentially well we don't know i don't know but a lot of this is based on court testimony so we don't know things <laughs> when for you sure. say court testimony do you mean like the court of the king or do you mean court like a judicial court I'll get to that. Okay. (laughs) Stay tuned. There's so much to look forward to. 
Yes. So, so like, Nadashti, like, he taught her how to be cruel to his to servants. He left, and things got worse. Oh, that's bad. Yeah, she, like, she, she was not good to her inferiors. There, he, okay, so I'll get, I'll get into, he was kind of, like, in and out. He eventually was, like, running the Hungarian army, and there was, like, wars against the Ottomans. So he was kind of, like, not in the picture a ton. But there was this, like, brief period of time from, from about 10 or so years where he was home and they had a few children. They had, like, two girls and two boys. And then he actually became ill in 1601 and suffered. Something went wrong with his leg and he was in debilitating pain until his death in 1604. He actually places... Her and the children, and he entrusts their care, like, in the way that patriarchal bullshit happens. Mm-hmm. Clearly, she could fucking take care of herself, but she he, she was entrusted to the care of Georgie Thurzu. Great word. And, great name. Yeah. Yep. That's, mm-hmm. that's my best shot at that. <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> so, around this time, sometime in the early 1600s, Legend has it that there was a time when a servant girl was brushing her hair and she hit a tangle or tugged a little too hard, as happens when you're brushing someone's hair. Elizabeth got so angry that she turned and she, like, beat the girl bloody. Oh, my Um, God. Yes. Poor girl, I think, lived that day. Uh, (laughs) She lived to tell the tale. But Elizabeth's hands were covered in blood. And allegedly later, she noticed that part of her, the part of her skin that had blood on it was like noticeably more youthful looking than it oh, had been before. Oh, no. Yes. <sighs> so she puts two and two together and thinks logically, oh, I have to bathe in the blood of virgins. <laughs> For real? Yes. Well, okay, that's the legend. There isn't actually any, like, recorded testimony of her bathing in blood. But there's a strong enough rumor that it persisted for 500 years? There's strong enough evidence that she murdered hundreds of people. Hundreds? Yes. Listen, ladies, everybody's beauty fades. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know if she actually bathed in the blood or if she was just like a fucking psychopath and just didn't care and so like i don't they i i think part of the reason for the bathing in blood myth is hashtag the patriarchy because they couldn't imagine why a woman would want to kill would want to kill that many people and so they're like oh it must be because she thought it would make her more beautiful because that's all women care about (laughs) my fucking god she could just be a fucking psycho some people just yeah. want to hurt people. Look at Richard Chase. Richard Chase thought that killing people would also kind of keep him young because he thought that his blood was turning to powder. So mm, that's why oh he my was, God. you know, he was just completely unhinged. He was in, he was abused his entire childhood. Maybe, she, maybe there's mm-hmm. some abuse in her life. Or maybe we don't need to look for excuses for these people. They're just monsters. So, I, yeah, I kind of tend to not believe the bathing in blood part. I think it's kind of apocryphal. But... It is still very likely that she did 
kill a lot of people. So I'm going to read you just a section of one of the articles I found. So it says, a young woman began to disappear from villages near and far, as well as children. Unhappy girls were lured to the castle with the prospect that they would find work there, but were never seen again. When they arrived, they were locked up in a cellar as they awaited torture. Elizabeth carried out as much of the torture herself, often beating the girls to death. Sometimes she would sew a girl's mouth shut, force her to eat her own flesh, or burn her genitals. Holy fucking shit. Yes, this is... Sorry, I should have put a warning on here. It's going to get very torture porny in here. Wow. And then it goes on to say, when she was too sick to get out of bed to beat them, Elizabeth would order her servants to bring up a girl to her quarters where she would bite their faces and shoulders. In other instances, she would... Are you just, serious? It, I I am serious about what it has ale- been alleged about her. Oh my God. Sorry, keep going, keep going. Yeah. Um, in other instances, she would stick needles underneath the girl's fingertips before cutting off the fingers of those who tried to take them out. Soon, Elizabeth began to run out of young women because she had either already taken them or the villagers had started to hide their daughters out of fear that she would take them. This is when she, when the countess began to resort to noble girls, a decision that would ultimately lead to her demise. Yeah, it's always fine to kill peasants, but the minute you go for somebody of a ro- yep. of noble blood. The minute someone has the power to question what happened to their child, then that's when bad things happen. Yeah, because before, she, like, uh, I mean, it was that kind of like semi-legitimate thing of like maybe they were looking for work and she could just, you know hide with that fact and then like i don't know if anyone cared to look for them she could be like oh you know they ran off or something i don't know that they never showed up oh she was supposed to come to the castle but i never saw Mm -hmm. her again yeah or oh she ran off with a young man and i haven't heard from her (laughs) ungrateful child i gave her such opportunity anyway i'm projecting that's but that's like you know a kind of thing that people tend to say about less privileged victims yeah so allegedly she did begin to resort to girls of that had you know nobility and that that is what caused people to kind of notice what was going on there was one girl a noble girl in 1609 that died and elizabeth tried to stage it as a suicide and that's kind of the catalyst that caused authorities to basically just decide enough was enough. And like it took them a while too, partially because she at this point was super rich and powerful. She had like been loaning money to the Hungarian king. She had a lot of power. See, in my head, it would make more sense mm-hmm. for them to go after her so they didn't have to pay back her their bills. Yes. And that is why I'm saying allegedly. Okay. So much. That may be- Because there's a, consp- there's a few theories out there that say that this was all made up. Total to- smear campaign. Yes, because they were afraid of how powerful she was. They didn't want to pay back their loans. It's a pretty fucking insane 
plot to weave. <laughs> um, like, I feel like they wouldn't have to go that crazy. Yeah, it almost it's almost like like they could have been like, oh, she was having an affair and that would have been enough. Yeah. For although the time her husband period. Had, di- had died at, at some point. So oh, like, OK. So she's she's free yeah. to have, do with her pussy as she will. Um, yeah. But still, there's other ways to bring women down during this time period. She, right. They could say she was consorting with the devil. That's yeah. e- that's easy Witchcraft. enough. Witchcraft. Classic. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Part of it seems too insane to be true, but it also seems like too insane to be made up. Yeah. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah. <laughs> like who would who would in their right mind come up with this insane of a story just to get rid of a like woman? a stranger than fiction sort of moment. Mm-hmm. But then also like, come on, was she really doing all this shit? Right. We wow. don't know for sure. <laughs> so allegedly, allegedly, they raided the castle and discovered dead bodies like everywhere. It's just like paints this picture of this like fantastically gory torture dungeon of a castle where just like there's bodies missing limbs and like in all kinds of crazy torture scenarios and like. I don't, like, this is where I'm like, come on, this can't be true. I don't know. There was a bunch of other servants who were arrested for conspiracy, like, for helping her out. And so, like, they were, like, kind of all rounded up and put on trial. They had a lot of witnesses come forward who were either other servants or survivors. So, yes, this does come to a court trial. Wow. Yeah. It's insane. She was on trial. Her servants were on trial. There was over a hundred witnesses and they were all describing all these stories that like, this is how we have these stories is from court documents. And that's why I say like, I don't know how much is true and how much is not because a court would be, especially at that time, would be a very good time to come out with a very sensational story. So like, I don't know. (laughs) So they were all together... Elizabeth and her servants were convicted of 80 counts of murder. Holy shit. Yeah. And that's just the ones that they, like, for sure... Got busted for. Got busted for. We don't have a, an exact count. There was apparently one ledger. Now, this is a part of someone's testimony that they found a ledger in, like, one of her rooms where she had accounted for every death. And that count was 650? holy fucking shit how long was she at this is that like a person a day oh excuse me 605 i mixed the last two um but yeah this was over a period of like about 10 years wow so that's like a person every three days or so that's a lot it's a lot i don't know that's the highest estimate and they're pretty dubious of that so it's probably more like a hundred Still, still still a lot (laughs) from one person so they were actually convicted of 80 counts Uh, the servants were sentenced to death because of course elizabeth was sentenced to house arrest in her castle yes what the fuck yes yes what they did though it wasn't just like here you have the whole castle and grounds to roam around like they bricked her into a tower like oh Did you ever see the shitty movie? (laughs) I mean, I I loved it. It does not hold up well. The Brothers Grimm. Did you ever see that one? I did not. 
oh my god matt damon and heath ledger right and heath ledger and then there's this like story about some crazy vain queen who's locked in a tower and died there this is what this reminds me of yeah that's a pretty clear <laughs> it's connection. like it's it's fairy tale in proportions where it's like this sounds like something the grim brothers would cook up wow Wow. Yeah, so she was she was sent in, she was bricked into a chamber and, and given one slit for like food that like people would, you know, push through. And she was there for about three and a half years. Holy shit. Before she was found dead in sixteen fourteen. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. At yeah. least I'm I'm glad they bricked her in. That's that's at least torturous. Solitary confinement is torture. Yeah. She was not executed, but like almost it's oh, a little it's a little bit worse, maybe worse. It's, you know <laughs> because you're by yourself for three and a half years it's i'm not as mad at her as i was at pol pot now so or at least i'm not as mad as her at her yeah. people who would try set her to trial right yeah i mean she was a lady so <laughs> she's a lady oh whoa, whoa. sorry yeah there has been kind of cited as one of the main inspirations for the story of Dracula. I know most people point to Vlad the Impaler and he probably, and he, I mean, he was like the Bram Stoker, like Dracula inspiration. She also has been cited as one of like the main inspirations for vampire stories. She's has a bunch of badass nicknames, like the Countess of Blood or the Vampire Countess or something. Like it's insane. But yeah, I kind of, like terrible terrible person but also like a little badass like i don't know i can't help but kind of admire her yeah yeah it's you know (laughs) i think throughout history women are not giving a whole not women are not given very many models (laughs) to work with Mm, so mm -hmm. we kind of have to like i don't know it's not like we get a a plethora of villains either we have to enjoy the villains we're given yeah yeah i mean as far as villains go she is like She's a good Very one. Very good. Yeah. yeah. She's, that's a good one. I enjoy mm-hmm. that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Elizabeth Bathory. I am so glad you finally know about her. Yeah. That was a great story. I'm also super glad I didn't look it up ahead of time. I knew that she was a big time killer, but I didn't have all the good details. So Yeah. She's like, she's like a heavy hitter, but it's so long ago that... Not a lot of people know the details. Also, it's just like, I have a hard time believing all of the details just because it was so long ago and it's a lot and it's like very colorful. Yeah. Wow. So I just happened to, I wanted to see some of the castles and Mm -hmm. it has uh, what they did to some of the serving girls. So, so Mm. had them covered in honey and biting ants and scalded yeah. with hot tongs and then placed in freezing cold water and then back and forth and back and forth wow wow yeah i mean it's like if you wrote this as a story your editor would be like scale it back <laughs> like this is too much like that's why i did like i could have gone on and on and on but it just starts sounding ridiculous the more you talk like the more you say it and you're like what yeah yeah this is true i i I think it's safe to take this at least some of it with a big grain of salt she probably Mm -hmm. did kill people but she probably didn't kill this many and not this creatively 
Yeah. Interesting, though. I think that's a that's a good theory that, like, she was probably a monster, but, like, maybe not that much. Right. Hey, uh, speaking of monsters, do you have a listener story for us? <laughs> speaking of monsters. Hey, I have to pee. Let's hurry this along. <laughs> so this comes from Alex and... They say, I'm sorry, sometimes like you have a picture of two people and I and Alex is a gender neutral name. So I right. don't know. Right. I'm going to say they until I find out otherwise. You know what? I think that's just good policy. We should say they. We don't know yeah. what Alex's life is. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so they say, hello, ladies. My name is Alex from Missouri. First, I want to say that I really enjoy listening to your podcast. Oh, thanks, Alex. Thank you. I've been interested in the paranormal for many years and even consider myself an amateur paranormal investigator. Love uh, it. That automatically makes you cooler than us, honestly. I know. Like, let's just yeah, be real. Honest, you're more qualified than I am. So <laughs> cool. Uh, do you want this show? Okay. <laughs> I know you said you like reading stories, so here it goes. It was about four years ago. On Thanksgiving Day, my uncle, who really got me into ghost hunting, and I were bored. He had recently been reading about a house that was only like three minutes from our house. Uh-oh, I see where this is going. Uh-huh. It was some old abandoned mansion, and we thought it looked cool and creepy, so we figured we would check it out. <laughs> we hopped in the car and headed over. Obviously, what could go wrong? We drove down the extremely overgrown path and arrived to find that the house had been torn down. No. We were a little disappointed. I know. Ugh. Okay. We were a little disappointed, but we weren't al- about to waste this opportunity. So being extra daring, we got out of the car and started walking around. We looked around where the house used to be and eventually found what we figured was some kind of kennel for possibly guard dogs. Oh. I think some kind of guard post. What the fuck kind of mansion is this? <laughs> Sounds like a big deal mansion, not yeah. your little... We're not talking a Mick mansion here. This is like no. real people money. Full ass Big Mac mansion. We were really curious, so we decided to trudge through the tall grass around the ma- remaining bit of fence toward what probably would have been the backyard. I want to mention that the road the house was on was in deed extremely overgrown and was only able to fit one car at a time and also we were very near the highway so we heard a lot of cars the whole time we were there okay but anyway we were walking around in what would have been the backyard i believe we were also recording audio on my digital recorder but we but if we did i don't have the audio anymore when we were thinking about heading back home because nothing was happening suddenly my uncle started hearing footsteps around the area of the house and the guard post. We stopped talking and listened to the footsteps sounding like they were coming nearer. Nope. <laughs> and then you fucked but, off immediately and did not go and, back there. And then goodbye. <laughs> My uncle then said, maybe it's the police coming to tell us we shouldn't be here and tell us to leave. I'm sure that's it. <laughs> we both figured that that made sense. Mm. <laughs> Sure. So he walked back towards the fence to meet what we thought was the police officer. What was it instead? I just want to say, like, probably not police lurking around this abandoned, like, demolished house anymore. Cops don't care if you walk over rubble. They don't care. Don't give a shit. They're not patrolling this area. Anyway, 
I watched him walk right up to where we heard the footsteps coming from and stopped to look around. And there was uh, fucking nothing. And well, I mean, oh. if they haven't found them by now. He stood there for a second before motioning to me to go where he was. I quickly ran over and listened while the footsteps continued not 10 feet from us. Are you serious? Sorry, I get too excited. I get too excited. Just keep reading. (laughs) They stopped and we got the heck out of there after having experienced one of the coolest things ever. That is one way to look at that situation. (laughs) We're too Um, high. That would not have been fun for Jen and I. First off, I'm not hiking anywhere. Second of all. I would have like screamed and ran, but also I probably would have had the same reaction afterwards. I would be like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" I don't have, um, I don't run, but and I don't scream. I'm not much of a screamer. I can't like scream, mm. but I would have mm-hmm. been like, "Ah," and fucked off as quickly as I possibly could. Yeah, um, the closest now that I've ever got. So okay, remember when I was um, doing ghost tours and. Um, I was like, oh, my God, I had an experience. Something happened. Yes. Um, and I, like, told this story so dramatically. It was it was someone. <laughs> it was not real. <laughs> it was officially. one of the other employees. Who officially. Was, like, okay. It was, I heard, yeah, officially. Anyway, that was not real. But I did another ghost tour somewhat recently when we had people in town, prospective students for the program, and we did a ghost tour for them. And it was my first time leading a ghost tour. It was very cool. Did you get to fuck with them? I mean, I spent all last fall fucking with people, but like oh, I was okay. the one, you know, actually leading and telling the stories. That's still cool. Yeah, it was it was very cool and stressful. But anyway, so I was the second tour and we get done and we end up all like with the first tour all in a group in the foyer. Thank you for <laughs> saying it that way. You're welcome. And so I, I walk in and... Trish, who is who is someone who graduated the program last year, and she works at one of the museums locally, and she just decided to come just you know to experience it. Yeah. Um, she immediately was like, "Was that you ringing the bell?" <gasps> and I was like, "What? <laughs> what happened was the first tour they went through the like kitchen to dining room walkway, you know, servants quarters area. And there's still those, you know, like those pole bells, like Downton Abbey era yes. yeah. bells. And there's one that's set out where you can kind of see like, oh, this is the string and you pull it and it makes the bell ding. And so John, who was the, the other guy leading the tour, he pulled it just to be like, see, this is what happens. Ding, ding. Mm-hmm. And they do that, you know, they're still standing there for a couple minutes. They walk down the hall into the dining room while we're still upstairs. And so while they're in the dining room, they hear not just like a residual like ding that happens when you walk around in an old house and things shake. Uh Like that was my first thought. I was like, well, we were walking around directly above it. So like I could see how that could kind of like make it go like, "Eh," like, like jingle a little bit. No, this was like a very clear Ding, 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 ding. And no one was there. Holy so, fucking shit. Yeah. And that one we cannot figure out. So anyway, that's my updated better ghost story. That is a much house. better updated better ghost story. Did we finish up with Alex? Basically. So they just said they stopped. We got out of there and it was the coolest. Uh, that's my story. Hope you guys liked it. Thanks for reading. Yeah. Alex. Um, awesome. Yeah. 
I footsteps in the dark when you're outside are the fucking worst. That does sound very scary. Yeah. You know how I, would... I hate the outside. But I would feel better outside than inside cuz like I I maybe I'm slightly claustrophobic cuz like one of my recurring nightmares is like you know that scene in Matilda when she's running away from Miss Trunchbull in her own in Miss Trunchbull's house and she yeah. like is like hiding under the the table you know the table and all that that is like i have nightmares that are basically that scene see and but it's just like the like running around a house but like you can't because they're like right behind you or they're like in the next room and they're like about to open the door and like just like those enclosed areas like really like freak me out whereas like when i'm outside like you could go anywhere so can they and they can see you the entire time that's true. I That's like the point. element of surprise that a wall and a door adds. Because, like, mm. you can kind of, I mean, like, can you stop, sir? Everybody who's listening to this, this is Meatloaf marking the microphone as his own. And today is his birthday. And so happy birthday, mm. Meatloaf. Um, anyway, <laughs> and I know we've been over this. We went over this with Island of the Dolls, too. I would yeah. much rather be somewhere where I can turn and stab you or, like, I can find knives in a kitchen. There's going to be knives in a kitchen and I will find them and I will stab your ass. <laughs> like, but I, yeah. I running away in the forest, I'm going to die. I may as well stab myself. Running away mm. in the forest is not part of my skill set. Maybe, maybe it's because like, like I can run faster, like outside. outside. I'm not very yeah. fast, but like faster than when you're inside and you have yeah. like oh, all these obstacles to like go through and like, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I love so, it. All right, guys, tell us if you are if you would rather be inside or outside and why. We want to hear about it. Uh, also, send us your other ghost <laughs> stories. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate that. Uh, mm-hmm. I, we appreciate that. I'll speak for us. I don't fucking care. Yeah, you know. <laughs> you know. I'll, I'll co-sign that. <laughs> what else do we say at the end of our show? If you want to find us online, we're on Twitter at haunted underscore pod, where this podcast is haunted on Instagram and Facebook. And yeah, email us your stories. This podcast is haunted at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Uh, Uh, We we, we talk to our people all the time. So like, tell us your stories. Uh, Show us your dogs and your cats and your babies and uh, funny, funny memes from the internet. So we're on Mm -hmm. board. We want to talk to you you want more of us uh we just uh did an episode with sang from whispers in the night yeah so you can go find that uh we were talking about the wendigo and cannibalism so one of my favorite subjects super fun and while you're there just like why not just listen to his other stuff and subscribe and be friends yeah yeah be our podcast friends and listen to whisper in the night and sirens of scream and bro Mm -hmm. and all those other shows that have been such good friends to us um there's Sofa. just like Sofa King. Sofa King. There's so many. Yeah, there's a lot um, out there. Uh Adaptations Podcast. Uh yeah, there's a ton. So listen to other podcasts. Tell us what you're listening to. We want to hear from you guys. All right. Until next time. Uh yeah, Jen, good luck with the rest of your finals. Yeah. And uh, uh, and, you, uh you say it. <laughs> It's it's too much pressure now. (laughs) There's too much pressure. Stay spooky, motherfuckers. Stay spooky. All right. Bye-bye. One more time. This podcast is haunted is brought to you by Studio Headphones. 
head on over to studio.com and check out their wide variety of stylish headphones that deliver studio quality sound for a fraction of the price of other high-end headphones. Once you find a pair you like, enter promo code HAUNTED at checkout to receive 15% off your entire purchase and to let them know we sent you. But hurry, much like a ghost sighting, this offer is fleeting.